0: Let me pray for us. Father your word is a lamp for my feet and it's a light to my path as the psalmist says. Lord we thank you that we have it in our hands this evening. Father please would you speak to us by it. Lord please would you work in our hearts that we'd cherish it. Amen. Well we've spent time in the first few weeks in the book of Leviticus And I wonder as we've done so, what's been a particular challenge to you? We saw week one, the sacrificial system and the process that God's people had to go through. We saw week two, the priestly system and the process that God's people had to use. It was all necessary to cover their impurity. It was necessary to bridge the gap. We saw last week, some of the particular laws on purity. And if you're just joining us this evening, all that amounts to a pretty full picture that God cares about holiness. Holiness is part of God's essential nature. So for him to dwell with his people, that is required. And so he says, Be holy as I am holy. We'll see more of that next week. And each week, we've seen a richer picture of the Lord Jesus who fulfills the law. Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus, the great high priest. Jesus, the one who makes us holy. But maybe as you've got this fuller picture of the Lord Jesus, the question in your mind has been, so is the law just irrelevant now? The other day, I pulled out this instruction manual for our baumatic glass chimney hood. It took me quite a while to realise what it's for, is for the extractor fan above our oven. And I had a quick flick inside and it was pretty dull reading, to be honest. Sentences like this. Warning, this appliance must be earthed. It should only be connected by a competent person pretty dull but you see the moment we have a problem with our balmatic glass chimney hood this document it will become vital i'd stick to it stick to the detail of the manual in fear of getting it wrong a bit like the israelites sticking to every detail of the levitical laws but you see with our manual the moment we get a new extractor fan, this instruction manual becomes completely redundant. There's zero use for it. The question for us is, the moment that Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice, the great high priest, the one who makes us holy, does that make the law as redundant as our Baumatic instruction manual would be? Does it make it useless, pointless, not worth looking at? What's the point of us as a church spending significant time in the books of the law? You could even ask if Jesus' work is sufficient for us to live with the Holy God, then why do I need any of His word? why do I need to look at what he says at all now? And to answer the question, we're going to look at this psalm. Now, the book of Psalms is often referred to as the prayer book of Israel. Through it, there's poems and songs of reflection, lament and praise. And the book of Psalms is structured into five books, and it's thought they reflect the book of the Torah, the first five books of the law. Demonstrating that these prayers are a reflection on that law. And so it makes sense to look at them as we spend time in Leviticus. To see that reflection of of God's law. They model the practice of prayer. The Israelites striving to be faithful to the covenants of the law. Look with me just at the beginning of chapter 1. This is the beginning of Psalm 1. The picture painted is not one of a manual. I can tell you for a fact that I'll never delight in the instruction manual for our baumatic glass chimney hood. I can tell you for a fact that I'll never meditate on it day or night. But you see, the Psalms paint a picture of the law, a picture of something worth, reading and that's why as they talk about this stage the the first five books of the bible and actually commentators will suggest that leviticus is the heart the the primary book of the law that would have been spoken of in the psalms it paints a picture of what it's like to live with a holy god who's made it possible to be in relationship with him it's the response and we've seen through the first few weeks how God's law reveals something about him it reveals his desire and his design for his people God shows us what he is like by his word to us God shows us his concern for his people by what he says and so when he speaks we'll want to listen. And we see now that God's message to us has been shown in the person of his son, Jesus. John chapter 114 says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. See, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of what God is like. The whole of Scripture bears witness to what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus and the work of the Lord Jesus. Well, it's meant now that some of those Levitical laws have completely expired. But as we look at the Old Testament in light of God's full revelation of Scripture with his whole Bible in our hands, it actually helps us to appreciate God more like those first people. It, it helps us to appreciate God more like the recipients of the law, and it helps us, as we've seen in the first few weeks, to appreciate the Lord Jesus with a richer, fuller understanding, as as we've seen. Because, as we see God, He makes it possible for His people in Leviticus. Now we can see that God has made it possible ultimately through the Lord Jesus. His work is is fulfilled in every way. So today, as we look at this section of Psalm 119, we're going to see two things the psalmist wants to do with God's word. Hide the word in your heart. Keep the word on your lips. That's what he says. So firstly, hide the word in your heart. Look at verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word, that's the objective, revealed, written word of God. Throughout the psalm, it is described in different ways. Decree, law, statute, precept. It's hidden in the heart. Now, for them, the heart's the organ that would have been describing both the thinking and the feeling of a person. See, even back then, it's not solely a logical process. As we've spent time looking at um, purity laws and the process of sacrifice, so much of that is detail and process but it's not solely a logical process. It's a matter of the heart. As I'm driving around Vista, I'm conscious of adhering to the 30 mile an hour speed limit because for the most part, it's a logical decision. It's the law. I'm reminded by speed cameras and traffic signs, but for the most part it is just a logical decision but you see when I drive down the road by our house as we come past Glory Farm School I see children pelting it out of school and I inevitably drive slower because I recognize what's being communicated by the law at 35 miles an hour there's a 50% chance that a pedestrian will be killed when struck by a car At 30 miles an hour, there's a 20% chance that they'll be killed. See, suddenly it becomes an emotive decision. I look at the faces of the children and I want to drive slower. I know why that's the best way. That's when I'm delighted to drive under 30 miles an hour. Delighted to live like that. C.S. Lewis writes this, their delight is in the law, is a delight in having touched firmness, like the pedestrian's delight in feeling the hard road beneath his feet after a false shortcut has long entangled him in muddy fields. If you've been bogged down in some of those paths around the Bista Ring Road, you might know that feeling. We can delight in God's law because by it, he shows us how life is meant to be enjoyed. God gives the law for his people in Leviticus because he loves them. So God shows us what he's like. Now, did you see? It changes the way the psalmist feels about God so that he wouldn't sin against God. God's revealed word it brings about change and for us now we know that God's word is powerful we're not able to keep the law perfectly we're not able to keep the law but the righteous requirement of the law is met for us in Jesus and so if we trust in him we're being conformed to be more and more like him And we can see that the Bible, God's word to us, has a vital role to play in that. You remember a few months back, we spent time in the book of James and our memory verse from that time was James 1 verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. God's word has a vital role to play in bringing you life it's not just a deadly dull instruction manual it's all in its entirety including leviticus living hebrews 4 says this for the word of god is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates it judges the thoughts and actions of our heart see God's word it can cut right to the human heart the way that we feel and it has the power by a work of the spirit to bring about new life as we saw in James so maybe as you're tuning in this evening you wouldn't say you trust in Jesus And actually, you're not convinced that the Bible is all that this psalmist makes out it is. Maybe you're not convinced it's worth your time. Well, it's surely worth spending time in it to work that out. Maybe you could read bits of it with someone who you know who's a follower of Jesus. And if you're not sure where to start, please get in touch. There's a get in touch form on the homepage of our website. We'd be thrilled to help you out in starting to read the Bible. Because the claim is, as we open the pages of it, God speaks to us. Or maybe you've trusted Jesus for some time. I wonder, is that how you approach God's word? Every time ready to let it turn your heart toward God. Is that how you approached Leviticus before we started? Because that's the picture painted of God's law. Praise be to you, Lord, teach me your decrees. The purpose of having God's word in our heart is that we'd fulfill our ultimate purpose is designed human beings it's a brilliant thing to know what God has to say it's a brilliant thing to know what God designed that is that we glorify God bring him glory and enjoy him as we do that see through these verses how that's the goal to live his way for his glory which will be the most joyous thing remember the title of our series living with a holy god the point is in the words of another psalm that we would taste and see that the lord is good that we'd recognize that living with a holy god is the very best thing because if we miss the fact that all scripture it testifies about the lord jesus the way in which we have a living relationship with a holy God, if we miss that, then we miss the point. This is what it says in John 5, Jesus addressing people. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. it's absolutely fundamental that we recognize that memorizing, remembering, reciting God's word, although brilliant things, they do not make us right before him. As we spend time in the law, we must know that doing those things that the law says are good, we will never be right by them. What makes us right? is trusting in the one speaking as we read those words. Trusting in what he has done to welcome us back. Trusting that Jesus is the only one who can make us right. And as he fully and perfectly meets the standard and requirement of the law, as he dies, he offers that right status to each of us. And now when the word goes into our hearts, well, we'll want to have it on our lips. We'll want to have it there and ready. But you see, based on all that Jesus has done, we need to be really careful to use words like try and work. As we think about how we handle God's word, God's law. Because Those words, try and work, they're not compatible if we read that in terms of our status. We can't try to be righteous. But part of the work of the Spirit, as we trust in Jesus, as his word brings new life, well, we're changed that our affections are changed to want to live like that. We recognise that the law is good. See the words in these verses? Hide, treasure up, rejoice, delight. They're just such joyously emotive words. Then They're not words I'd ever find in a manual like this. They show that when we trust in Christ, the spirit will be at work in us that we want to be godly. We want to steer clear of sin. We want to read the Bible. We want to delight in his law. They're brilliant words because they show a change of desire. And so if you follow Jesus, God has hidden his word in your heart. And now there's a conscious decision. It comes from God giving us a new identity, changing our affections, but it's not passive. There's a conscious decision to develop those habits. We couldn't possibly do it on our own. But God changes us to love his law. In Christ and by being transformed by the spirit through the word, we'll want to develop those habits. Well, what what could that look like Well, as we look at this psalm, there's five things, five words that key into habits that we might use in God's law to keep the words on our lips. And as I pick out these five habits of the psalmist, I'm going to flesh them out a little bit in things that we might do. Firstly, remember it, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart. What could it look like to actively hide God's word in your heart? To commit sections of it to memory? You'll know if you've been at town church for any period of time that we usually produce cards like this one with memory verses on the back. We're committed to producing them because remembering God's word really matters to us. And so when they're pinned up on a notice board or in our wallet or on a table or pinned up on a wall at work, we'll remember what God has taught us in his word. Whilst we've been online, we haven't produced one for every series, but we've discussed and we're going to, because it really matters to us that we together Remember God's word and hide it in our hearts. Maybe you might use some kind of app to do that as well. I've used an app called Memorize, it's a flashcard app. I started using it to learn languages, and in the last few weeks, I've added the memory verse from all of the series um, from the start of town church. If you'd like to have it, I'd be very keen to share it. What could we do to hide God's word in our hearts? Secondly, recount it. Verse 13, with my lips I recount it. I wonder when could you recount God's word with your lips? Say it out loud to yourself. Remind yourself, remind others of what God has to say. When in need, when you're scared, worried, happy, angry, What a joy it would be to have God's word on your lips, ready to recount. Third, rejoice in it. Look at verse 14. I rejoice in following your statutes. How could you rejoice in the words of the Lord? Sing it. Listen to it. Watch videos of it with your children. We carefully select songs at Town Church that, communicate the truths of God's word. They're on a Spotify playlist that's public that you can access, that you could go to whenever you like. Songs are brilliant at helping us remember, rejoice. I remember bits of scripture from songs that I learned when I was definitely under 11 because of people that helped me know and learn and enjoy God's word. I wonder how we might do that. Fourth, meditate on it. Look at verse 15. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. What would it look like to spend time deliberately in God's word, grappling with it, seeing what it has to say to you, study it, consider what it looks like to live in those ways. Do you have a deliberate plan? reading God's word, Bible reading notes, following a book or a strategy to help you do that? Do you even make big life decisions based on what God has to say? Fifth, delight in it. Verse 16, I delight in your decrees that I will not neglect your word. How can you enjoy it? If you're arty, Make it into posters. Make arty prints to put on your walls. If you're musical, sing it, play it, listen to it. What can you do to make the joy of God's word come alive and delight in it? Do who what you can to delight in the truth of God's word. And you see, with those five things, there's loads of stuff you could do. But what? Why do all that? Why do any of that? Why take? one of those things away and hear me loud and clear as I say this not because doing it saves us not because we must not because we should feel guilty otherwise because that's not great motivation but because by it By his word, God continues to transform us to be more like the Lord Jesus. It quite literally changes the way that we live. That's why we prioritise God's word in all that we do at Town Church. What could it look like to remember it, recount it, rejoice it, rejoice in it, meditate on it, delight in it? Next week, we'll see how Leviticus calls us to live our holy life in response to God living with us. We'll see more of what that looks like. But I wonder this evening, could you make it your mission off the back of that challenge to say, verse 16, I will not neglect your word? Not because you have to, not because you feel guilty, but because you've been transformed. Because if there's anything inside you that wants to listen to God's word, that wants to delight in it, then that's a joyous thing as God transforms by his word. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you speak to us by it. Father, we thank you so much that All of your word points towards the Lord Jesus. All of your word shows us just what you are like. Lord, please would you help us? Help us to recognise that, that the work is done, that you in your grace save lost people. And Lord, as you cause your word to come alive in us, please, Please would we hide your word in our hearts. Please would we have your word on our lips. Amen.